Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome, history friends, patrons all, to a very long, delayed birthday episode. I was going to release it, I mean, back in June, in time for the actual birthday, the 10-year anniversary of this podcast, but then in the spirit of current affairs, I decided to do a big U-turn and wait until October. Well, I mean, October is the month of my birthday, so... I suppose in that sense you could... No, I, I'm sorry. PhD's kind of taken over my life, guys. It's the final year and I really... I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm freaking out, but I'm certainly prioritising by basically ignoring everything that isn't breathing, eating and PhD. So, yeah, things have really kind of... You could say they've caught up to me because I've done so many extracurricular things instead of actual PhD, but don't worry. Head's going to be put down and we're going to belt this PhD out and everything's going to be great and I'm going to be Dr. Zach and all that stuff is going to happen. But really, you guys have been so fantastic supporting this show on Patreon and just moral support as well, so I felt it really was time to kind of look back on what I had originally planned on doing and actually fulfill those plans. So this here is an episode I wanted to do ages ago. I had it all written and ready to go, I just couldn't seem to find the time to record. So... Today, I am recording, and I'd like to welcome you very sincerely to this episode, my 10 favourite guests to have ever been on this podcast in the last 10 years, going along with my 10 favourite episodes slash series, my 10 favourite historical figures, and that retrospective I did. It's a nice, tidy little bundle, and it'll be further complemented by an episode that will also be coming out soon, I promise I'll record it. That'll go through the future of this podcast, because fair enough, a lot of you guys have been asking about it. Basically what the schedule's going to look like, what I actually plan on doing to fill your ears in the time to come, and the actual plan for the podcast itself over the next 10 years, in terms of not just episodes and schedule, but where I see it going and where I want it to go, and how I think I can hopefully make it happen. So expect that episode, hopefully, in the next few days. But for now, let's just get into it. My 10 favourite guests of the last 10 years. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Number 10. Robin Pearson of the History of Byzantium podcast, appearing on this podcast in May 2017. 
So what could be a better fit for a podcast like When Diplomacy Fails than to examine the diplomacy between the Byzantine Empire and its neighbours? They call these things Byzantine for a reason. And over a millennium of fluctuating borders and the rise and fall of its fearsome rivals, Byzantine emperors were forced to engage in often duplicitous and contrarian diplomacy to maintain their empire's position. On the other hand, the Byzantines were themselves the victim of these underhanded deals, seen most notably when the Venetians, of all people, arranged the capture of their capital during the Fourth Crusade. Robin and I get into all of this as part of the Five Weeks to Run Wild extravaganza, also known as the podcast's fifth birthday. How did the Byzantines engage in diplomacy? What were their goals? And how are these goals affected by their diplomatic style? Who in Byzantium's history was just really bad at diplomacy? And what consequences did their failures bring to the gates of Constantinople? How does Robin feel about inheriting the mantle of Mike Duncan? What role did the walls of Constantinople play in Byzantine diplomacy? Will Robin ever finish the story of Byzantium? And just how bitter is he about how it all ended in 1453? Find out in that episode, in my 10th favourite collaboration of the last decade. Number 9. Jamie Redfern. History of the United States, Hannibal, Alexander, Arab Spring, loads of other series as well. Appearing on this podcast in May 2017. Jamie Redfern started podcasting two years before me. An achievement in itself, lonely as it was in 2012 when I started, when Jamie began in summer 2010, you could probably sense the tumbleweed blowing through the history podcasting world, since there was basically four podcasts in existence at that point. Since then, of course, Jamie has doubled and tripled and quadrupled his efforts, releasing podcast series that examine the history of Alexander the Great, the history of Hannibal, and more recently, the history of the United States and the history of the Arab Spring. A prolific history podcaster, like me, Jamie's also interested in academia and the process of teaching history at third level. We're both very honest in this talk episode regarding what we think of the state of academia generally, Though remember, this was 2017 before I started a PhD, so maybe things have changed for me since then, but it's also interesting to look at how responsive academia is to history podcasts. I'd like to think academia has opened up a little bit to history podcasting since then, but that could just be because podcasts are more widely understood now and I don't have to explain what I do to a blank-faced academic anymore. Naturally, we don't just talk about these things, we also take the time to talk about the American Revolution, and Jamie gives his insights about his favourite revolution, which, yeah, it is the American one. Like me, Jamie has a real interest in the pre-revolutionary period, when the 13 colonies bravely went where no group of colonies had ever gone before, West, West, and more West. It's a fascinating chat, and by the end of it, you'll know much more about Jamie than before, and you'll hopefully be compelled to explore his other fantastic episodes in his back catalogue. Thanks again to Jamie for joining me. Why not show your appreciation by checking his stuff out? Number 8. Sebastian Major of Our Fake History Podcast Appearing on this podcast in October 2017 
Sebastian's only been on When Diplomacy Fails once since we both happened to be covering the last Siege of Vienna at the same time, but last September, that is September 2021, I also guested on his show to talk about all things 30 Years War and hype up my Matchlock series. Sebastian didn't mind my shameless self-promotion, nor did he mind going back in time and explaining his decision to start podcasting and how he juggles it with his teaching career. Actually, I should say I recently saw an announcement from Sebastian on his Facebook that he's made the decision to go podcasting full-time. So celebrate this victory of the independent creator first by wishing him well, and then by listening to this collaboration here. The second part of this collaboration is also worth a look because we had so much to talk about it's in two parts. If you're in the midst of listening to our Last Siege of Vienna series, but even if you're not, I loved picking Sebastian's brains about the kind of myths and legends he encountered regarding that event in 1683. But how does he do it? How does Sebastian decide which fake historical tales to explore next? What's his criteria when laying out each season of our fake history? And how has his vision and plan for the podcast changed over the years? What myths would he love to cover? And which ones would he not touch with a barge pole? It was a really fun conversation, and Sebastian's always been very generous and self-deprecating. Two attributes which I believe are really important in a history podcaster, and something which I tend to think Canadians and Irish people have in common. So yeah, check him out. And thanks again to Sebastian for coming on the show. Number 7. Kevin Stroud, the History of English podcast, appearing on this podcast in May 2017. Kevin Stroud's History of English podcast is the gold standard for educational audio content, full stop. I met him in person during the Sound Education Harvard conference in November 2018, and I'm happy to report that Kevin is as kind and generous as he is talented and knowledgeable. And that's not just because he bought me and all of our podcasting friends dinner. A lawyer by trade, Kevin's pivot into the history of the English language, you're hearing me speak right now, proved a masterstroke. As is often the case with these flashes of brilliance, once one guy begins, the real question becomes how did no one think to do this before? Wikipedia reliably informs us that English is the most spoken language in the world, that is, if Chinese is divided into its variants, and it's the third most spoken native language in the world, after standard Chinese and Spanish. As of 2005, it was estimated there were over 2 billion speakers of English, and that number has only expanded since. But, Kevin asked, how did all this happen? How did a West Germanic language become such a worldwide phenomenon? We delve into his process and his decision to begin this show in the first place, We ask how his structure and approach changed, what he struggles with, what his plans are for the future. Back in 2017, when Kevin came on the show, History of English was, and remains, something of a juggernaut in terms of its reach, which is far outside of mine, so to say I owe him one for coming on the show is an understatement. And like Sebastian, Kevin was able to harness his pool of generous listeners to create a whole new career, creating and recording what he's most fascinated by. And honestly, that deserves to be celebrated. So if you somehow haven't heard of his show yet, make sure you check it out. And check out our collab episode too. Number 6. Turtle Bunbury, Irish historian, genealogist, author and documentary host. 
appearing on this podcast in May 2017. Turtle Bunbury is a rarity among my collaborators because unlike the others, he actually came to my apartment and spoke with me in person. I remember turning off my fridge in the kitchen so it wouldn't be heard by my Blue Yeti. It's funny the things you remember. Turtle explains the origin of his name in the episode and as a passionate advocate for investigating your family history, he delves into the history of the Bunbury family too to kind of demonstrate how these exercises can really connect you with the present. A historian and genealogist by trade, Bunbury was a co-presenter of the Genealogy Roadshow on... That is our kind of main TV channel slash network thing. I know there's no real probable comparison for America, but it's closely compared with the BBC for the UK. That's Radio Telefiche Aaron, if you were curious. But he appeared on that between 2011 and 2014. He's also appeared on episodes of the American and Irish version of the Who Do You Think You Are TV series. Interestingly, Bunbury has also made a very successful and impressive foray into writing with his books Easter Dawn, The 1916 Rising, The Glorious Madness, and 1847, A Chronicle of Genius, Generosity, and Savagery being particular highlights. Bunbury also envisioned the Vanishing Ireland series, a very poignant set of books which documents those parts of Irish history, living or otherwise, which would otherwise be lost to us. Earlier this year, Turtle took the next logical step and began a podcast of his own, Turtle Bunbury's Global Irish, which explores the history of Irish expatriates that made a mark in other parts of the world. Since a career as a historian is my end goal, I really appreciate how Turtle took the time to explain what it takes, and I hope you'll thank him in turn by checking out his podcast, his very well-recommended books, and the collab episode we did. Number 5. Norman Oler, author of Blitzed, appearing on this podcast in November 2017. Every now and then, a book comes along that fundamentally changes how you look at an era of history, and Norman Oler's book Blitzed is one of those. Oler's mission was to explore the extent of drug abuse among Nazi Germany's leadership, but his research didn't just lead him to Hitler. He also took the time to consider what these amphetamines, repackaged as innocent little pills, actually did to the average German soldier. Focusing on Pervitin in particular, Oler found that these drugs were given in large quantities to German soldiers in the early phase of the war and may well have aided their non-stop march to outmaneuver the Allies in summer 1940. Naturally, though, Oler's research extended to the Nazi high command and he used the notes of Hitler's physician, Theodor Morell, to decipher just what was in that cocktail he was injected with every day. One thing is certain, Hitler was getting much more than simply vitamins. Could this explain Hitler's shaky stature in the final weeks of the war? Was he in withdrawals? All of this research and all of these questions are, of course, controversial. Yet, despite some bad press, Oler at no point tries to argue that the Nazis didn't know what they were doing or were off their mind on drugs and thus shouldn't be judged for their crimes. Instead, he tried to get to the bottom of the casual drug culture within the Third Reich and how German chemists went into overdrive to meet the demands of total war. It is a fascinating insight into relatively new research. Yes, believe it or not, new research is still being uncovered on the Second World War and that era, 
and I was really excited to get Ola on the show to talk about it. A journalist by trade, it was also really interesting to hear Oler go into detail about his experience trawling through archives and engaging with the practice of granular research. Oh boy, do I empathise. Oler was in the midst of a media blitz to promote the book, pun intended, and I really appreciated him taking the time to guest on my humble show. So if you want to show your appreciation, why not get Oler's book blitzed today and check out this collab episode. Number 4. J. David Markham, Professor of Napoleonic History, President of the International Napoleonic Society, and President Emeritus of the Napoleonic Historical Society. Also, you may know him as the co-host of the Napoleon 101 podcast. He appeared on this show in June 2017. As a young history podcast listener with barely a few hairs on my chin before When Diplomacy Fails... There were three podcasts that really drew me in. The first was the obvious History of Rome, the second was David Crowther's History of England, and the third was Napoleon 101, a collaboration podcast also starring Cameron Riley and one Napoleonic nut by the name of J. David Markham. Since I was remastering my coverage of Napoleon for our Five Weeks to Run Wild project back in 2017, I felt it would only be right to overcome my starstruck nerves and ask Markham if he wanted to join me for a chat on his favourite Corsican. What I got instead was so much stuff, I was able to split it into three parts. We looked at Markham's career and his interest in Napoleon, his decision to join Cameron Riley for the Napoleon 101 series, and a whole load of fascinating trivia about L'Empereur himself. David was just as passionate on When Diplomacy Fails as he had been when I first heard him, and it was such a tremendous, memorable experience to host the guy who had first ignited such a fascination in me about Napoleon. Before that show, I'd never heard Napoleon discussed or debated in such a way. I'd also never heard the French perspective on things, and I'd no real notion of the Peace of Amiens, where Napoleon basically won everything. David's views on Napoleon's strategic decisions are particularly noteworthy, and I loved getting his perspective on what the big man did right and what he got disastrously wrong. A huge thanks to David for joining me, and I'd be very happy to have him on again sometime in the future. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, if you're listening right now and thinking, hey, I'd love to learn more about Napoleon, then boy, are you in luck. 
How would you like to access a whole load of Napoleonic books online in a free, all-you-can-read buffet for a week? Well, of course you would. For a small monthly fee thereafter, or less than $100 for a year, you can sign up to Perligo. As I said, you'll get the first week free, but my guess is you'll need more than a week. Ideal for the student, the researcher, the podcaster, all three of these, or just your friendly neighbourhood spider nerd. Genuinely said spider nerd, I meant to say history nerd, but you know what I mean. Perligo will dazzle you, I'm going to leave that in. Perligo will dazzle you with its wide selection of quality studies, textbooks and more. You can also satisfyingly organise your research into different projects. Right now I have about four projects on the go, including my PhD, Versailles for the book I'll do eventually, and of course, more. Some things I'm keeping under wraps. Napoleon is particularly well represented on Perligo. To give you an idea, I especially liked Europe Under Napoleon by Michael Browers, Napoleon and Europe by Philip Dwyer, and a more specific tome, if you're looking for more detail, Britain, Portugal and South America in the Napoleonic Wars by Martin Robson. Sign up to Pertigo by clicking on the link in the description below and you'll be saving yourself a lot of effort in research. You'll also be sending some monies my way if you stick around after the free trial, so it's a win-win. But back to our countdown, and number three, Tim Bouvery author of Appeasing Hitler, Chamberlain, Churchill and the Road to War, appearing on this podcast in April 2019. You probably think you know the story of the late 1930s, ignoring the warning signs left by the Nazis, including Hitler's own manifesto of what he planned to do next. The British and French failed to stop Germany and tried instead to preserve peace by gradually acceding to German demands. Although we know it as a doomed campaign to save the world from another war, at the time, appeasement seemed like a reasonable policy. As Tim Bouvery noted in his book Appeasing Hitler, context is key. We can't understand the infamous unless we appreciate the extremely long shadow left by the First World War, which still haunted contemporaries of the 1930s. Responding to these traumas was Neville Chamberlain, who took the cause of peace as his personal mission. This meant, on the one hand, Chamberlain would take all the credit for preserving peace in our time, but it also meant that if this policy failed, Britain would be weaker and less prepared for what was to follow. Not to worry, though, because with this piece of paper, Hitler promised to advance no further, and now that his demands were satisfied, we have nothing to worry about. In his book, and yes, don't worry, there's a 22-hour audiobook as well, Bouvery painstakingly documents the diplomatic context of the late 1930s, shedding new light on events and tragedies we take for granted. Of course, it didn't have to be this way. At any point, much like before 1914, different decisions could have led us into a very different outcome. Yet, so traumatic was the experience of the Great War, and so convinced of his mission was Chamberlain, that the British Prime Minister deluded himself into believing that Hitler could be trusted that he must be trusted, since the alternative was impossible to comprehend, and surely Hitler doesn't want another world war. As a consequence, Chamberlain became the poster child for appeasement, and historians were left to condemn his example and see it as a warning from history. Bouvery's interview was one of my favourites because I got the chance to pick the brains of an up-and-coming historian who had visited the archives, delved into the correspondence, and grappled with themes very similar to those I've encountered. 
Within, we discuss everything from British rearmament to the status of the Treaty of Versailles and whether the appeasement story will ever truly be finished. In my view, Bouverie goes some way towards finishing that story. Thanks to his biting conclusions and tireless research, he emerged out of nowhere to write the definitive account of appeasement. So, a huge thanks to him and to Penguin for arranging this interview, and I hope you'll check it out for yourself. Number 2. Peter Caddick Adams, historian and author of Snow and Steel, Battle of the Bulge, 1944-45, Fire and Steel, The End of World War II in the West, and what we interviewed him for here, Sand and Steel, The D-Day Invasion and the Liberation of France. He appeared on this podcast in June 2019. With the 75th anniversary of D-Day in June 2019, I wanted to do something special, and fortunately, Peter appeared on my radar just in time to collaborate for this very timely episode. If you were unaware, he is the author of several massive volumes on World War II, and since our conversation here, he's gone on to write a new account of the Second World War's final days, Fire and Steel. In the past, he's written an incredible account of the Battle of the Bulge called Snow and Steel, but when he joined us on the show, as I said, he talked about his book Sand and Steel, which was a new authoritative account of D-Day that I didn't know I needed, because just like with appeasement, you probably think you know all there is to know about the largest naval landing in military history. Typical for his style, Peter unearths new research and brings us to the heart of the military context of Europe in 1944, the Allied planning, the nail-biting operations, and the very near misses which contributed to the now-famous tale. All these details aside, what makes this interview my second favourite of the last ten years is just how much fun I had doing it. I could have talked to this man for hours, and I hope to have him back on the show in the future to talk about, well... I'd happily talk about paint drying, to be honest. As a former soldier as well, Dr. Caddick Adams provides a unique perspective, sympathetic and informed about the soldier's experience, which contributes towards a narrative that's as strong on social history as it is on military facts and figures. And as someone who normally groans a little bit inside when they hear about social history, I'm happy to report that the way Peter presents it here is really good and really accessible. Listen in to hear two D-Day nerds geek out on everything from the soft American invasion of Britain to the horrible lessons learned by the Allies when their multi-layered plan was finally put into motion. There was nothing inevitable about D-Day's success, and those anxious commanders who watched their men depart on gliders the night before, or who crunched the numbers and plotted the casualties, stormed the beaches and helped liberate Europe from the hideous evil that was Nazi Germany, all deserve to be better known. If you want a book 1,000 plus pages in length that will bring you from training to landing at D-Day, then Sand and Steel is the book for you. The hardback has its pride of place on my, well, it's on my floor since I've yet to have bookshelves. I'm getting bookshelves for my birthday and I'm really excited. But it's as valuable to me as this interview itself. And I really appreciate Peter for taking the time to share his enthusiasm and findings with the show. So, number one, I'm sure it won't be much of a surprise to you if you've heard me speak in the last few years. Number one is Tommy Reichenthal, Holocaust survivor and author, who appeared on this show in March 2018. So, 
One day, in late 2017, I decided to contact the Holocaust Society of Ireland. The plan was to get in touch with Tommy Reichenthal, a Holocaust survivor, obviously living in Ireland, and a boy when the Belson camp was liberated. Born in a small farming village in what was then Czechoslovakia, Tommy remembers what it was like to be a Jew in the 1930s and wear the gold star. He lived for a time in Israel after the war, then moved to Ireland, where he's lived for decades. Remarkably, it was only relatively recently, at the turn of the 21st century, that Tommy began to speak up about his experience, but he quickly made up for lost time. Not only was he a prolific writer, he was also an active traveller, visiting schools up and down Ireland, speaking to pupils about his experiences and warning them what could happen under such awful regimes. Among those spellbound pupils he spoke to was me, and the experience stuck with me to the extent that now, many years later, I became convinced of the need to get him on the podcast and have him share the incredible stories that I previously got to hear from him. It was something of a long shot, though. There was no guarantee that the Holocaust Society of Ireland would have Tommy's details, or even if they did, that Tommy would reply to my email and want to speak to me. The radio silence that followed suggested as much, but then... On a rainy day, probably, in February 2018, the Holocaust Society of Ireland provided his details, and by March, Tommy and I had arranged a date to meet. It would be his house, and I was to lug my laptop and recording equipment there to record some living history. Tommy went above and beyond to make sure his story was told, and if you've listened to the episode, you'll know I basically let him talk uninterrupted for a long time, but... Even once the 90-minute conversation was over, we still continued chatting. He introduced me to his wife, we had cake and tea, and it was just, honestly, it was the most wholesome, incredible experience. And that's the thing with Tommy, because even while I felt so privileged to host his story and be given his undivided attention, he's just so thankful to be given a platform to speak on. And from beginning to end, the experience for me was utterly priceless. And it drove home the value of when diplomacy fails not simply a podcast, it's a platform. I love chatting with you guys about history on Twitter or in our group, but another function of this platform that I've built is that it gives me the opportunity to present and preserve really important stories from history, literally from primary sources. It's making history thrive in the truest sense, and I cannot thank Tommy enough for coming on this show and making it all possible. Make sure you check out that three-part interview we did back in March 2018. Trust me, if you're in any way interested in the Holocaust at all, you won't be disappointed. So that, history friend, is my top 10 favourite guests that have appeared on this podcast in the last 10 years. Remember, if you are a friendly neighbourhood spider nerd, make sure and check out Perligo. And also remember that all of these guests and many more can be found in the back catalogue of this podcast absolutely free of charge. Thanks so much for listening to this show, guys. And thanks especially to you patrons who have been supporting so enthusiastically. You're the best, and I'll be seeing you all soon.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.